Well, good morning, and I hope you had a great Christmas and uh, New Year's season, and I invite you to turn with me to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, and while you are turning there, we get the privilege to acknowledge that we are now in 2021, yep, it happened, calendar turned, and uh, in many ways, this year is a new beginning. In many ways, this year is a new beginning, but it's not a new beginning simply because the calendar changed, but it's a new mindset. And as a church, we as pastors see this in many ways as a new beginning together as a church, a time when we revisit why we are a church, what our mission is, where we are going, but most importantly, who is going with us. Who unites us? Who guides us? Who gives us purpose? And so, at the beginning of this year, we're starting a new sermon series. A new sermon series that is meant to lay a foundation for that new beginning. The foundation of the house, so to speak, without which the walls will crumble and the roof will cave in. What is that foundation? And so this new sermon series is entitled, The Beauties of Jesus. For several weeks, we're just going to be focusing in on our mission as a church and how that uniquely, preciously, biblically reflects the beauties of Jesus in our lives and as a community. If 2020 taught us anything, it should have taught us this one thing. We are not impressive. We're not. We are not impressive. We should not be enamored with ourselves. We're not in control of one thing. And every time we try to grip harder and place our hope in anything other than Jesus, it slides through our fingers like sand. Friends, this series, The Beauty of Jesus, is this series because our aim as a church is meant to embody what does it mean for us to treasure Christ above all? What does it mean that we gather together to treasure Christ together? These are not words. This is not a slogan. This is a reality. This is why the people of God are the people of God. To say above everything else that we could give our heart to, Jesus is most important. And we're going to say that together, and we're going to say it over and over. This is why we exist as a church, to make known to the world the beauties of Jesus. And we're going to do it together. We're going to do it together. And so last week we began with Pastor Travis doing a wonderful job of how the Word communicates the beauties of Jesus. It is trustworthy and true, and therein find God's infallible, inerrant words to see His glory and to behold the beauties of Jesus. And now I just want to help you understand where we are headed. Today, we'll have a sermon entitled, From Lost to Gain, Living for the Beauties of Jesus. Next week, we will have a sermon entitled, The Bible, Ethnicity and the beauties of Jesus. The following week, we will have a sermon entitled, The Bible, The Vulnerable, and the Beauties of Jesus. Is it Sanctity of Life Week? And we'll also have a baby dedication that week. I'm looking forward to that. The following week, we will have a sermon entitled, The Bible, The Church, and the Beauties of Jesus. What does it mean that the church is a family? And then from there, kind of with that as a bookend for 
where we are headed at the beginning of the year, we're going to start a new book, a new study for February and March in the book of Nehemiah entitled New Beginnings Together. New Beginnings Together. And make it crystal clear, we are not saying it's a new beginning because it's now 2021. We're saying that we need a new mindset as a church. What are we about? How do we unify around the beauties of Jesus and be on mission for His name together? So this is a new beginning for us in many ways. And it's meant to bring life and purpose into what we're doing. So today we're going to look at several passages. We're not just going to be in the book of Philippians, but we're going to start there. Philippians chapter 3, verses, verse 8. I'm going to read it, and then I'll pray, and then we'll dive in to our time together. From loss to gain, living the beauties of Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 says this. Indeed, indeed, Paul says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Think of what makes you most excited, most passionate, what you can't get off your mind. Paul says, I count all that as loss compared to one thing. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. He says, for His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. That is the embrace of loss and count them as garbage in order that I might gain Christ. Let's pray together. Father, come. We ask that in this moment You would meet us in the power of Your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that You would magnify and intensify and awaken our dulled eyes to the radiant beauty of Your Son. Father, we want to see Jesus. We need to see Jesus and His beauty as sufficient for every trial. And we believe that as we behold Him, we are changed to be more like Him. Changed from one degree of glory to another. So Father, make us tired of letting our losses get the final word. Make us tired of a routine of complacency. Drive deep down within our soul the promise that if we come to You as weary and heavy laden, burdened, that You are beautifully gentle and lowly. and You'll give rest to our souls. Father, we want this moment to be that. This, I believe that promise and I want to come to You and I ask that You would give us rest for our souls so that we can be communicators of that rest, communicators of the beauties of Jesus. Father, I just want it to be real that we say we count everything as loss that we might gain Christ. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Every loss is given for some greater gain. Every loss is given for some greater gain. Now, over Christmas, every year, my family kind of has a tradition. We hang out with my parents, and we do a Christmas thing with them. And then the next day, we do a Christmas thing with just Dana, my wife, and our kids. And we 
you know, we give and we receive and have a lot of fun. And then the normal plan is that at least either the next day or the day after that, we're packing up and we're heading to Tennessee to visit her family. So 12 hours before we're getting ready to make this trip to Tennessee, having been on the phone all day long with my wife's parents, we get the call late at night that her dad has spiked a fever and they have COVID. And so all of a sudden we realized, well, stink, we can't go to Tennessee. So we thought about, is, this, is there a way that maybe, you know, they had taken the test. We didn't know officially if it was COVID, but everything seemed to, they had lost taste and, you know, smell, those kind of things. It was happening. And so it just like, it looks like the handwriting's on the wall. Wait for the test to come back. Well, they had it. It took a couple of days to kind of get over this sense of, this was our plan. We were going to be with her family, which is normally a pretty fun time. And it's a pretty low drama time for the most part. But we had to kind of figure out, what do we do? My Dana's parents had to figure out, like, this is a loss for them. They were looking forward to being with family. On top of that, it was scary for them. They're definitely in the vulnerable category. And they had COVID. Thankfully, they're doing better now. Fatigue is, is subsiding. They still can't taste or smell, but they're doing better. But it was a loss for them. It was a loss for us. And God brought to mind a verse. It was Matthew chapter 7. And in Matthew chapter 7, you read this. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil... <laughs> it's clear, right? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who asked Him? So I brought this verse to our family and said like, okay, if this verse is true, and it is, what has happened to our believing grandparents, I was talking to my kids, what has happened to us is a good gift from a Father who knows how to give good gifts. It feels like a stone, but it's bread. It feels like a snake, but it's fish. It feels like something painful, but our God says, in ways that maybe you don't fully understand, it's actually gain. It's good for you. Every loss is given for some greater gain. And in God's economy, our losses might come from our own sin. It might come from sin of others. Or like the virus, it comes because our world is broken from sin. And it's just a broken system. But the believer can know that our lovingly Father, our loving Father is sovereign and in control. We can trust Him that He gives good gifts to His children. We don't understand it all. But we can know it's not a poisonous snake from an enemy or a fickle boss. It's from a loving Father who cares for us. So today as individuals and as a church, we need this lesson branded on our hearts that loss is painful, but loss is also gain. Loss is painful, but loss is also gain. So that's the structure. Loss is painful, we're going to think on that. Loss is gain, we're going to think on that. 
But the prayer is, is that the rays of the sunshine of God's grace will shine brighter than the clouds of the loss. The aim here is that we focus in on that loss is not pointless. It's God giving us in many ways more of Himself. Other, other gains that we'll talk about in a little bit so that we might know Him. Let's begin though with loss is pain. Some of the greatest pains we experience is because they were unexpected. Can you imagine if you're a woman who's given birth and you were told, this won't hurt and it'll be quick. Can you imagine if that you had no other context and all you had was that sage counsel? This won't hurt. It'll be over soon. It's like, no, that's not true. And can you imagine how that would hurt so much more emotionally? Just, okay, this is dragging out longer and longer and longer and longer and longer. And this hurts so much more intense than anybody ever communicated. And why? Because it was not expected. Unexpected things, they can hurt. Some of the deepest losses and hurts I have experienced is because I never dreamed it would happen. And it just hurts. It hurts deeper. And we need God to speak to us because the Bible is clear that we should expect loss. Not as something that is strange, but something that is normal. We should expect loss. Let me just give you some Scripture passages. John 16.33 In this world, you will have what? Trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 We are called sojourners and exiles, which means this place will not feel like home. It means there will be a longing in the heart for something greater. We have a sense of being out of place. It's loss. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, he says, Don't be surprised at the fiery trials as though something strange were happening to us. Loss is not strange. Trials are to be expected. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, All those who desire to live godly lives will suffer persecution. If you follow Christ, you'll suffer like Christ. It's a promise because the world is out of step with Christ. Luke chapter 21, verse 11. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines, pestilences, pandemics, terrors. He told us it would happen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. There will come times of difficulty. People will be abusive, heartless, Brutal, treacherous, reckless. What's the point? Loss is promised. Loss is inevitable. It's inevitable. May we not be caught off guard that loss hits. When we are, we begin to question God as if He didn't warn us first. As if He has messed up. As if He has lost control. In this world you will have trouble, but he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, the cross is the validation that loss doesn't get the final word. I've overcome the grave. 
But don't be surprised by loss. This world is fraught with sin. Yours, mine. We have wrecked the world and all those who have come before us. Loss is inevitable. But just because we expect it doesn't mean that it still isn't painful, right? Loss is painful. It hurts. And there have been many losses for us over the years. Most might even count all of 2020 as a loss if you're not careful. It's just hard. There's been a loss of interaction with people. Loss of paychecks. There have been losses that affect people's emotions. This distancing ourselves from human interaction has created rampant depression and over-self-introspection of all ages. Have you ever been trying to achieve a goal? You had this, you were going after it, and then you just fall short? It's a loss. Have you ever wanted to be married, and yet the relationship didn't work out? Or the person you cared for pursues somebody else? Loss. Someone you have trusted breaks your trust. A friend. Somebody could be a marriage relationship. Somebody in the church. You feel loss. You feel fear. You feel, can I ever trust again? It's loss. We sin. Whenever we sin, we experience loss. We lose the freedom of a clean conscience. It makes it harder to resist the next time we sin. Sin is a loss. It's a battle with self-condemnation sometimes. A battle with massive guilt. Sometimes you hide. It's loss. It's a loss of freedom. It's a loss of joy. Sometimes your kids sin. And you grieve. It's a loss of their innocence. You grieve. I never thought I would have to deal with this at such a young age. It's loss. When because of differing politics or how people think we should handle the pandemic or differences in dealing with racial tension, we have people that we've loved deeply, gone on mission trips with, shared meals with, prayed with, that have left the church. It hurts. Loss. We don't need to act like it doesn't. It hurts. We've had loss of health. Loss of memory. Loss of being able to participate in what we used to. Painful. It's painful. And not only is loss inevitable and loss is painful, but loss is loud. Whenever loss hits... It's like the volume has been turned up to crisis and we can hear very little of anything else. Social media feeds on it. They feed on it by turning up that volume of obsession so that all you hear is crisis. All you hear is drama. Because they just want you to click. They just want you to keep going. And we give in to it. Loss is loud. Because sin is in the world and sin is inside of us and sin is in other people. And so it screams many times, Satan is active. And sometimes it screams, Satan is winning. 
He's not. But boy, doesn't loss tell us it feels like it. The volume gets turned up whenever we experience loss. And so I just want to tell you, loss alone lies. It lies. Loss is lying to you. It tells you that loss has the final word. You will forever be identified by this loss. There will be no gain. There is no point. And what happens is the bucket that you're carrying around called your heart that was filled with hope, loss just comes underneath and starts drilling the holes in the bucket. And all the hope begins to seep out and what is filled in is depression and over-self-introspection and self-pity. My life is hard and all you do is you just rehearse it. Loss is loud, and it's lying to you that it's won. It's lying to you that it's got the final word. And now we collide in this moment that the only thing that counters loss is Christ. The cross tells us that loss is not having the final word. It's not only painful, but loss is gain. Death, the greatest loss, was defeated so that we would know that all secondary loss as well is defeated in Christ. This week, I had set up a meeting with an individual before Christmas, and then Friday, I got a phone call. Have you ever done this? When you forgot to write down the meeting? And the phone call comes, are you coming? And your heart falls to your feet because you had forgotten completely about it. I did that to someone else. And they called. And then my, my uh, radio took over my phone and I couldn't even talk to them. And so I was all frustrated and I was like, oh, what is going on? Called him back. I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. What do you do with mistakes that are loss? Well, that loss could really hurt that person. It could communicate, he didn't think I was valuable. He didn't think I was that important or what I had to say was not that important. He could have been tempted to frustration at me because he gave his time leaving work to come and meet me. But of course, he was massively gracious, forgave me, said, okay, let's do it again. Everybody makes mistakes. I mean, I received such grace. It was a loss for me because what you all know, sometimes I live in like, okay, I'm, I don't have that weakness. I'm not going to forget. Yes, you do, Sean. You're not perfect. You make mistakes. And you know, it's just brought right here. Okay, right here. And that loss can carry just a sense of our limitedness. It carried, honestly, a sense of shame because I didn't want to hurt him. I didn't want to communicate anything false to him. That he was unimportant. He wasn't. I was just forgetful. But I tell you, grace came out of that loss. And here's why. He had the opportunity to extend forgiveness and grace, and show me Jesus, and He did. And I had the opportunity in that moment to figure out how do you deal with that gut punch feeling when you've done something wrong, and what does it look like to take it to Calvary? 
to receive His forgiveness and to believe that everything's been paid for on the cross. I still have the love of God for me because I walk not in my own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Christ. And I am loved and I am cared for. That would never happen if the loss didn't happen. And all of a sudden, it flips that loss is painful. But loss is also gain. You know, ashes are the result that wood has been burned, right? So that log that was there, it's been burned, and the ash comes. Well, that ash is actually really good for gardens. It's an excellent source of lime and potassium. Yeah, I'd totally look that up. I'm, I don't know much about this stuff, but it's good for your garden. Not only that, but it provides some of the trace elements, yep, read that too, that are helpful for plants. But here's the deal about ash. If you apply it solely by itself and don't mix it in with good soil, too much ash will burn the plants. It'll burn the garden. And some of you are like, exactly. I've experienced so much loss that the ashes of my loss are just burning out my life. And that's where I want to hold up to you. That's what the Psalms are written for. To say there's a God in heaven who wants all of that loss, who wants all of that pain. He has given us a book that shows what it looks like to groan and lament and go hard after God in the midst of our loss. However, the ashes of our loss are meant to be mixed in with the gracious soil and the promises of Calvary. Because the cross communicates that loss is not ever meant to stand alone. It's meant to be viewed in light of the cross. And when it's viewed in light of the cross, when all of that loss is mixed into the death-defeating, resurrection-having life of Jesus Christ, then all of a sudden we see promises more than we see loss. We see hope more than we see loss. We see a Savior who comes to us in pain more than the loneliness that our loss screams about. The invitation is that we would take our losses and the more loss you have, in some senses, it's a greater ability to identify with a Savior who gave His whole life that we might have life eternal. Dear friends, <laughs> loss is not pointless no matter how it feels that way. It is meant to bring us in a deeper relationship with Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, it tells us loss is necessary to strengthen our faith, to test our faith so that it will last to the end. It's a gift that God gives us so that we would last to the end. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Look at this. And this is where the sermon turns the corner, right? We go into gain. Praise Jesus. That's what you say. Praise Jesus. We're going to gain. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, loss, 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 our inner self is being renewed day by day by day. Grace, 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 grace. Gain, gain, gain. Because the Holy Spirit is alive and at work within us and He is constantly, He doesn't take a day off. 
Day by day, we are being renewed to look more and more like Jesus. So don't lose heart. Don't lose heart individually. And I pray your minds are saying, don't lose heart corporately. Don't lose heart as a church. Because not only are we as individuals being renewed day by day, we as a church are being renewed day by day so that we can say any loss we've experienced together is actually leading to greater gain together. New beginnings, friends. New beginnings together. In our community group, we have a group text that we kind of share back and forth. And one woman in our community group, she sent this encouraging uh, text to the group talking about how individual losses can seem to be so bad, but when they work together, when we believe that God is working for the good of those who love Him and who are called, that He's bringing all these losses to bring good to us. She gave this illustration. I thought it was great. This was a quote from a speaker she heard. He said this, I don't like lard or plain flour or buttermilk, but I sure love biscuits. Lord, help me remember that the individual ingredients of this life may be bitter, sour, dry, and sickening, but together they work for good. This is the view of loss. God in His wonderful sovereignty, in His cooking expertise, so to speak. Our losses aren't throwaway. They feel so bitter, so painful. And when you're in the middle of them, you can't see much of anything, but they are being kneaded together, worked together for our good and His glory. And this begins to show us that loss, although painful, loss is gain. Loss is gain. It's gain of deeper participation in the purposes of God, greater intimacy in the presence of God, greater a fuller hope. One day we will see Jesus face to face, be in the presence of Him. So I want to give three brief stories from the Scriptures that bear witness that loss is gain. Okay? First one is Joseph. Joseph, loss is gain as it helps us impact others. So now we're asking, how is loss gain? Help me to think about how is loss gain. It helps us to impact others. Many of you might know the story of Joseph's life, but here's a chart that we're going to put up on the screen, and this chart is really small. But what it is, is on this side is the event of Joseph's life, and in the middle column is the age of Joseph and where this occurs in the Scriptures. At age 17, Joseph was sold into slavery. And then not until age 28 is he then, age 30, Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams and is released from prison. Not until age 30 is he brought out of all of his loss. 17 teenagers thrown into prison for something you did not do. Well, it was a hatred of your brothers. Yeah, you're like, uh-huh, I could see that happening maybe. Thrown into prison, captured, sold into slavery, age 30 is how long it took before he got out. Loss. If you would ever want to succumb to a victim mentality that my life is just worthless, I'm going to give up on everything, it would be in that length of loss. 
wrongful imprisonment, sold into slavery by your family. It'd be in that. But God in His kindness worked gain for Joseph. Joseph becomes the ruler, second in command in Egypt, ended up saving his family, the people of Israel, gain. And here's Joseph's assessment of his years of living. Genesis 45, verses 5 to 8. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. He's talking to his brothers now who sold him into slavery. Don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for two years and there are yet five years in which there will neither be plowing nor harvest and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. And He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. The famous verse goes on, Genesis 50-20, what you meant for evil, God meant purposed for good. Did his brothers sell him into slavery? Yes, they did. Did God do that? Yes, He did. You deal with the tension, but God is sovereign and in control, and that is how you can ever view loss as gain, is that you trust that He is not giving you a stone when you ask for bread. He loves you. He cares for you. The cross was the stamp that that is true. All of my promises for you are true. I sent you there. So in some sense, the loss that you've experienced, God has sent you on this journey. But that's why Psalm 23 is so precious. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't need to fear evil. Why? Because He's with you. And so why was Joseph given the loss? It was so that he could impact others with the beauties of Christ. He could impact others with the faithfulness of God. I was looking at an old video. It was something that um, Paul Sarazen, some of you might know him, had uh, sent uh, to me a while back. And it was, of course, it was a video of a former Philadelphia Eagle quarterback, you know. So he's an Eagles fan. This is not a good season to be an Eagles fan. Um, but he sent me this a while back, and I, I looked back at it again. It was Nick Foles. It was right after he had won the Super Bowl, hoisted the Lombardi Trophy, and then was subsequently traded to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars to be the starting quarterback only to then get hurt. And they were asking him, your replacement, Garner Minshew, he had a mustache, he replaced you, doesn't it hurt you that he's having so much success when you were on the top of the world, you were the Super Bowl MVP? Here were his words. He's like, no. Because you know why I, why I was smiling when I hoisted the Lombardi trophy? He says, because I did not need the trophy to define who I was. I was already defined in Christ. His words. And he says, if I make this about me, if we make this about us, then we will be sad and we will start feeling alone. He said, it's not about us. 
He says, my purpose isn't football. It's about impacting people. And my ministry happens to be the locker room. So I can do that whether I'm the starting quarterback or whether I'm hurting on the bench, I can still impact people. He said, in my flesh, do I want to play football? Yes, I do. But spiritually speaking, I am defined by Christ and I know my purpose. My purpose is to impact people with the love of God. And I lay that out before us. Loss cannot define you because it cannot strip away what God says about you. You are loved, you are mine, and I will never let you go. He says that about you, and he says your purpose, your purpose in life is bigger than yourself. And if you make it about you, that's why we're more sad and more lonely, and that's why we're struggling. Our purpose in life is that we would impact others with the beauties of Jesus Christ. We would show off His love, and we would make Him look more beautiful to a lost and dying world. You need purpose? That is your purpose. That's what you were created for, no matter your age. Dear friends, We've got to ask, how can my life make an impact on people? How can I show the beauties of Jesus? How can my speech show Jesus is beautiful, whether it's out loud or whether it's on social media? How does my purpose impact people? Whether you're a student or a child or a spouse or a teacher, coworker, neighbor, loss is gain when you realize it is meant to be making your life impact others. What a platform when out of your loss you speak of the faithfulness of God. The second example of loss is gain is Gideon. Gideon, Judges chapter 7. So loss is gain because it shows, gives us an opportunity to impact others. Loss is also gain of God's values and God's ways. Sometimes loss is to give us a new perspective, a perspective change. And there's one of the first passages that comes to my mind is, is Gideon. I don't know if you know the story, but we're going to look at it. Genesis, uh, Judges chapter 7. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Let me set the table. God wants to defeat the people of Midian, the Midianites. And He's going to use His people to do it. <laughs> If it were my plan, I think it would have been, okay, who else can we recruit to fight the Midianites? God looks at it and says, your number is too many because if you win with that number, you're going to boast in how great you are. So, we need to make a change. Change number one, anybody who's afraid, just go. You don't have to stay. 22,000 people leave. <laughs> Okay, there's only 10,000 left, okay? That was not what I would have planned, okay? Gideon, you can imagine, I'm supposed to lead this group, and now you just took away two-thirds of my people, okay? 10,000 remain. God says, still too many. So now, we're going to make a test. How will they drink water near the river? Will they put the water in their hand and drink, or will they lap it like a dog, Okay? Many would do this, few would lap it like a dog. 300. 300 lap the water like a dog, 
he says, that's them. That's the ones that we're going to go fight with. <laughs> 30, 2,300. That's where we are now. Why? Why? God did it in a way that Gideon would have never chosen. But he wanted to do it in a clear way that God was fighting for them. God is the victor. Friends, whenever you experience loss, or as our church has experienced loss, God is positioning us for mission in His way. In His way. For His glory. Small is not better than big. Big is not evil. Small is not holier. But do not despise small. John 15 says that it's pruning. It could be the pruning of a healthy bush that it might get rid of a sense of whatever God needs to do so that we can grow and flourish. We have to trust that He understands pruning. That way, why would He prune? So that our confidence would not be in us. So that our confidence would not be in our numbers. We're not impressive. But we as a church are meant to be unified around the mission of God for the glory of God. Even as the little engine that could. Small things in the Scriptures are fertile soil for God to get glory for Himself and for Him to do mighty things. What would it be if we said, this is a new mindset for us as a church. We're going to use loss to be a new beginning together of gain. To get His values, His perspective, embrace His ways, and impact others for the glory of His name. The last one is this, Acts. Loss is gain of advancing God's name. Loss is gain. So we're gaining the impact of others. We're gaining this His values and His ways. We're also gaining, it's ultimately the advancement of His name. And what I mean by this is, can you imagine you walked with Jesus? And then He looks at you like He did His disciples and He says, it's better that I leave you. I'm walking with the Savior of the universe and He's telling me it's better that I go away? That He's going to go away? He says, it's better. That's a loss. I'm losing Jesus. No, it's better. It's better. They can't even imagine how that would be better. He dies. Rises from the dead. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this, But you will receive power, church, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, you're going to be my witnesses. And you know what the church did? They did not go. They did not scatter beyond Jerusalem. They stayed where they were. It was comfortable. And so what did it take? What did it take to stir up the people of God to be on the mission of God in the power of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit comes, Acts chapter 2. They begin meeting together. They worship together. 
But they were not going out to advance the gospel. So Acts 8.1 flips, Acts 1.8 flips to Acts 8.1. And then you see it. Acts chapter 8, verse 2. Devout men buried Stephen. One of the leaders of the church had been killed. Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women who committed them to prison. That's loss. But listen to this. Now those who were scattered about preaching the word, those who were scattered about went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. Friends, loss is given so that we would get out of comfort and follow God in His mission. We would go outside the camp. We would go outside the comforts of our own homes. We would go into our neighborhoods, into hard places. We would send people to the nations to advance His name. Loss is given so that we would now prioritize His priorities. It's the advancement of His name. The path of pain is the normal way God advances His name. Dear friends, our loss as individuals, our losses as a church are meant to prioritize the shortness of this life, the priority of proclaiming Jesus and getting the gospel to the nations. This is what we are to be about. Stop letting everything else scatter us from that point. Loss is meant to get us more of Christ that we might proclaim more of Christ together. Together. It's a new beginning, friends. A new mindset. Because the greatest gain in all the universe, it's not impacting others. It's not prioritizing God's priorities necessarily and just doing things God's ways. It's getting more of God. It's a clearer vision of God. That's what loss gives you. And that's the last idea. Loss is ultimately gained because it gives you a clear vision of the beauties of Jesus. There's a woman, Corey Ten Boom, wrote the book The Hiding Place. She was a Dutch Christian watchmaker, a watchmaker during World War II. And she helped many Jews escape from Nazi regime during the Holocaust. She would hide them in her home and she created this false wall so that when the soldiers came, she would usher them up and they would go and hide behind this false wall and they couldn't find these Jews that they were trying to persecute. She later, however, was caught. She was put into Ravensbrück concentration camp. And the book The Hiding Place is a book that recounts her experiences, both of hiding these Jews and Nazi persecution, but also her times in the concentration camp, specifically with her sister, Betsy. And how through a smuggled-in Bible, they held Bible, store, Bible lessons with those in the concentration camp. Communicated the love of Jesus where they were. Here's a quote from her that I found so encouraging about loss. She says, if you look around, you'll be distressed. Look within and be depressed. Look to Jesus and be at rest. This isn't someone who was sitting on a comfortable couch. She's sitting in a concentration camp. Not knowing if she would live to see her next day. Look to Jesus and be at rest. 
That's why I read Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Count everything as loss in order that I might gain Christ. That's why I read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Hear it with new lenses. Loss is meant to wean us away from this earth is our home. And it is meant to give us a longing to be with Jesus. So don't lose heart. Though our outer self loss is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond anything that we could compare it to. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are temporary. They're transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Loss is meant to cause us to set our gaze on what is eternal. So that we can say with Paul, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them garbage, rubbish, in order that I might gain Christ. Loss is painful, friends, but loss is gain. Let's pray. Father, we have experienced loss as individuals. We have experienced loss as a church body. But we want to say with faith, you are not giving us a stone. You're giving us bread. You're giving us the fish we need to eat. Father, we do pray that whether the losses feel small or big, I pray that it gives us a greater understanding of what gain in your world is. May our purpose be impacting others with the beauties of Jesus. May our values be flipped upside down and may we prize what you prize. Even if it seems small and inconsequential, we trust that you are going to do whatever you think is best for the glory of your name. Father, we want to be a part of your name advancing mission and we don't want to let anything stand in the way of that. And ultimately, God, we want to declare the greatest gain we will ever experience is more of you here, but less of a grip on here and more of a longing to see you face to face. God, make being with you our hope. So, Father, we say loss is painful, but loss is gain. More of you, more of you, more of you. May we treasure Christ above all. Right now, we're going to take just a moment to reflect. I just want you to think. Have you genuinely called loss a loss and given that to the Lord? Told the Lord that that loss hurts? Have you shared those pains with the Lord rather than just bearing it on your own shoulder or stuffing it down? Have you genuinely said, that's a loss and it hurts? God, I want to give you that loss. But are you willing to make the bold prayer? It says, Father, I want to be a part of a new narrative, a new beginning where loss does not identify us, but loss is the path necessary towards greater gain individually and as a church. Make it your prayer that we as individuals and we as a church would be about gaining more of Christ, proclaiming more of Christ. 
However God is using this, we're going to take a minute or so to just reflect. And then we will sing together. for us as individuals, it's time for us as a church to take our losses and mix it in with the soil of your promises, to mix it in, our struggle, into the soil of your great grace to produce in us endurance, and endurance producing character proven, and character proven producing hope. A hope that won't put us to shame because you've poured out your love into our hearts by your Holy Spirit, Father. Though our outer self is wasting away, we trust the promise that you are renewing us day by day. And so yes, yes we will lift you high. We'll make your priorities our priorities. We'll make proclaiming Christ our aim. And although the individual losses might be bitter, sour, dry, and sickening, together we trust that you are working them together for good. So Father, may we sing with hope that we could actually put a flag in the ground, a stake in the ground, and say together, we want to walk forward for the glory of your name. We want to treasure Christ together. We pray this in Christ's name.